And so he is this this rabbi teacher. Don't mind. That's Jojo, the go to hell dog. Yeah. <laughs> go to hell podcast dog. It is better to think of the church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in the church. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. You're listening to the Go to Hell podcast where strong opinions are weekly held about Christianity, the church, faith, and other crap. I'm your host, Tim Curley, along with my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are we doing? Doing great, Tim. Well, you know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm kind of at a weird spot this week. Uh, my parents just moved up to the Pacific Northwest. Um, this will be the first time that I will have been more, I will be living further than 20 miles away from my parents in my life, uh, which is kind of interesting. Wow. I don't really feel like any different about it. You know, like people are like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I've always been kind of an independent soul, but we are, just the way that our world's worked is that I was staying here because this is where the money is if you want to be a teacher. So, uh, true that. So, like, I wasn't going to be stupid to go somewhere else. Be like, I, I won't, I'll teach for pennies to the dollar. You know, <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so, with just with twice the cost of living. Yeah, exactly. So, it's just kind of been a weird kind of circle that I've been in with that. So, we said goodbye to them this weekend. My grandpa. It is 75th birthday. We had his birthday party on Saturday. I gave a speech. Oh. An impromptu one. It was more of a stand-up comedy routine. <laughs> what it was. Did you tell anybody to go to hell? Uh, no, <laughs> I didn't tell anybody to go to hell. Uh, it was a... Uh, uh, needless to say, there was a lot of blue hair out there mm. at the 75th uh, <laughs> birthday party. Crazy how that happens, you know. Anyways, how about you, Tim? How are you doing this week? Uh, things are great. Football is in full swing. So, uh, do you do your fantasy? By draft? the time you'll you're gonna listen to this podcast, football will have been well into full swing. But uh, since we don't really record a topical uh, podcast in, in terms of the th- nuts and bolts, what we talk about, so yeah, like we're not gonna talk about that Packers. Uh, we're not gonna talk about the Queen dying. Uh, <laughs> It'll it'll be months months old, a couple weeks old by the time. I was you like, to this, on so Friday we'll when we that had our Cowboys podcast. debacle on Sunday night, uh, the season's already over before we're not it gonna started. Date, we're not going to date our weeks. Yeah, like, not, at all, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. That the Alabama nearly shat the bed down in Austin. No, oh not my at all. goodness, that was crazy. That was the craziest thing that happened. Talk day. about torn. Talk about torn. Here I am, a Sooner fan, so I should have, I should want Texas to beat down Alabama, because when Oklahoma beats down Texas later, it'll, it'll be good for us. But I so loathe the Longhorns. I, it, I, it's, I'm having to constantly tell myself, oh no, that's not good. Oh no, that's not good. He's getting excited, but he's like, why am I getting excited? He's yeah. slapping himself across the face. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. That would be like if Oregon State beat, like, Georgia or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, so sad. <laughs> um, well, you know what happens when our teams lose? We, we drown our sorrows. Drown our sorrows. So what is our beer of the week? Sitting here, drinking beer, talking guys, dreaming, killing time, living life with some down-home friends. Our uh, beer of the week is currently we are drinking what is called a cold boy summer uh a nice little cold ipa from uh tioga sequoia which is brewed out of fresno uh california um we can find tioga sequoia pretty much everywhere but it's also a collab with uh wen house brewing not to be confused with hen house um so they combine with wen house brewing which is based out of i believe it said phoenix arizona yeah is it wen house or wren house Oh, yes, you are correct. Red House. Sorry. I don't know why I said Hank. Well, the writing is a little hard to read. The logo's tiny. Yes, Red House. Sorry, my bad. Not Wen House. Uh, Red House. Um, it's pretty tasty. It's uh, tasty. For those that are unfamiliar with the style of a cold IPA, um, it's a IPA invention made out of Portland. And it's, I don't know the the dynamics of it but it makes a nice crispier lighter style beer kind of almost like a session but the abv still remains higher so normally a session ipa would hit about a 5.1 percent this is looking at about a 6.5 so still putting up those normal ipa numbers uh but still kind of had that nice crispier palette of like a session it's delish uh also we have uh another one of whammies India Pale Ale, uh, based out of Pizza Port Brewing Company. Well, another um, one, of, uh, another favorite. Another favorite. Uh, out here in California, we have this amazing place called Pizza Port, and they brew really good beer. And they make phenomenal pizza. Oh, they do. The there. pizza is really good. It is an actual pizza place. That it is decided to do a, a beer on the side, and they're hell, they're really good at the beer. And then based out of Sacramento, uh, California. We have uh, New Glory. New uh, Glory? Which is, uh, we've got their Hopaway Beach, which is their West Coast IPA tonight. So we'll be trying all three of those um, as the night progresses. So uh, normally this time, or often at this time, we do a cleanup on aisle five. There's no cleanup on aisle five tonight. I think we just jump straight to the topic. Perfect. I'm excited. So... Uh, the topic tonight is, I don't really have a title for it. We could call it Jesus's friends in low places. How about that? So the genesis of the podcast was, uh, a couple in early August, something came, you know, uh, something came across my internet feed. I don't know if, I don't remember if it was Twitter or whatever. This article someone had written, um, and it was titled, what is the actual, Jesus would have hung out in a dive bar and not to just go, what is it, save people, convert its patrons. Jesus would have hung out in a dive bar and not just to convert its patrons. It's written by this very pleasant Catholic fellow, and... He's responding to a meme that apparently is popular on the interwebs. And that meme says, 
Jesus didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appear inclusive, tolerant, and accepting. He ate with them to call them to a changed and fruitful life, to die to self and live for him. His call is for, for transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. So, this guy writes an article, and it's, it's, it's a good article. I'm not going to read the article. We'll, we'll post the link in the show notes. Um, uh, or, yeah, the name, yeah. He makes some really good points. He says, no, that's, that's not at all. Jesus wouldn't do that at all. That's not how Jesus lived. Um, and he makes three or four good points in particular other than he wouldn't just show up to proselytize them. Um, one, um, he says, well, before I get into what he says, what are your thoughts on the meme versus article versus the article. Do you, do you think Jesus would have hung out at a bar, at a raucous party, whatever, to proselytize with people or to hang? Yeah, so um, what's really funny, and I told you this last week when we were talking about doing this discussion, so I think it's fun to introduce on the mic is uh actually me and uh me and a guy who we used to uh work together um he's now a high school youth pastor at um the church that i was a junior high youth pastor for and he was actually the junior high youth pastor before me and so we worked a lot together when i was the head junior high um boys leader and that kind of stuff and there was one winter camp where we went um and ours wasn't necessarily with jesus go hang out in a bar we got to a little bit more of a, a more personal connection for this guy not like personal like this wasn't something uh but this guy in particular struggles on a regular basis with homophobia and so we talked about whether or not jesus would go to a gay wedding was the the topic that we discussed um and so again you're looking at something that is considered a, a sinful place or maybe the perception is of this sinful thing okay maybe and and so let's get back to the bar analogy let's say that there is this perception that there is uh, sinful or wrong things happening within a bar um whether that's true or not that i'm sure we will dive into um <laughs> uh so i mean my answer has always been that Jesus 100% would be at both. He would be at the bar. He would be at the gay wedding. Um, and I think that he's there for uh, for multiple reasons on both accounts. Um, and I think that that's what we're going to be unpacking tonight. And so if I think that Jesus would be in a bar just trying to... It, but to get even further into your question where you said, is he there? So we, we agree that he would be at the bar. And even the person that says it would be at the bar. But what is he doing there? So, And I would say, to answer your question, is I don't think that he's there as an evangelist out there calling people to change in that moment or anything of that nature. 
So he's not there to tell Joe and Jane. It's good to see you. Go, go and sin no more. No, no. Like you did the woman at the well. No. Okay. Before we dive into this, I'm sure. So we do a lot of discussions where we don't dive into the into the Bible, which I think is fine. I'm sure we're going to get and have gotten lots of criticism for that because you know every time someone has a theological discussion, we just have to quote scripture. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but my point is you don't have to also. A lot of this is just trying to suss out things. Based off of what you have. Based on what you have and our knowledge of the Bible. We don't have to like quote a scripture and say, oh, anyway. But tonight I'm gonna, we're going to dive into, into three. Um, we already ha we'd had this discussion planned, but it happened completely to, uh, <laughs> it was a co complete serendipity, a coincidence, that at the same time we were planning on doing this uh, episode, our pastor at our church wanted, was doing a, a three-week series on Jesus and food. Basically, three discussions of uh, stories of, in the Old Testament of Jesus using uh, dinner parties, meals as a way to reach out to people. Sure. And I think... What is being discussed? I'm not. I'm not going to take from what is has been discussed uh, these first two Sundays at our church, but they're right in. I think they're right in line of similar thinking. Of I think sometimes we miss. We don't fully understand who Jesus was. And and when we do that, it leads to some bad. Uh, perceptions of what we should do and who we should be, and and so. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I picked three, three different um, stories from the New Testament. Uh, and then we'll we'll see if that kind of backs up what. Because I agree with you. I, I think Jesus would have just shown up and been a dude and hung out with folks and laughed with those who were laughing and crying with those who were crying and just been there. And then at some point, when it came up and appropriate, it would have been natural. It would naturally come up. Sure. Okay. First one, Matthew 9. I'm going to read from Matthew 9. Though Luke has pretty much exactly, this is one where Matthew and Luke pretty much literally exactly tell the story the same. I mean, there's only a few words difference in the, right. in the account. So uh, So Jesus goes to Matthew's house, who's a tax collector. Um, and he, well, he, he sees Matthew and he's a tax collector and a sinner because those things are too, you know, hand in hand. And uh, Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew gets up and follows him. And then it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners. See, there we go. Yin and yang, sinners and tax collectors, tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, Is it not healthy? Is not the healthy who need the doctor but the sick? But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Second story, John 2. Jesus changes water into wine. What, you want me to like elaborate on this one a little bit or what? You want you want to elaborate on the Matthew elaborate on the Matthew one first. Elaborate on the Matthew one. Okay. Uh, a couple of things to keep in mind. Again, we've talked about it on this channel uh, a couple of times. Those images that are being presented in the gospels, um, keep those in mind. So the fact that the both of them are uh, using it um, is usually a big like arrow that says here, this is what you should be doing. Um, because again, Luke is this burden bearing Messiah. Uh, you'll see that Jesus spends more time with the, with those that are, um, that are, you know, uh, that are lower in status, um, in this world. Um, he spends more time with them and that's going to be more of a focus of Luke. I was like, it's nice that you read from the Matthew version because again, Matthew doesn't necessarily do that as much. Um, because again, it's still trying to portray this connection to Moses, um, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so we do have that, um, which is again, this kind of message again, it's not talking about what he's talking about, right? We're not getting a close up of Jesus and his response to these people, right? We're not getting go and sin no more. That's extremely important. Um, because again, he's sharing a meal with them and meals, um, back then were long ordeals. They're not like a 20 minute, like it's not like go to Chipotle, um, you eat your burrito bowl and then you're out of there. Like this was something that if you were serving a meal, it would be a while. You would lounge together yeah. um, and it would be something that you would converse um, and that kind of stuff. And, and that's what would happen. And so legitimately he is hanging out with these people. Um, yeah. Uh, Having a meal with someone, it it is long, it is intensive, so therefore that person, the host, is spending money. Um, they're making a big deal to welcome their guests, and there's often a main guest that they're inviting into the house. And then it's also there's this, um, well, in this sense, it's no different than today. Uh, you're conferring a major social status to. Um, to that person. Right. Well, and, and just what I would say is like when you read this is don't put your 21st century spin on it. Don't, don't sit there and think of your fast food. Like don't fast food this situation or don't uh, freeway, don't 21st century model your, what this was is that again, the meals were a huge status symbol to go and eat with specific people meant different things. Um, like again, who you were with. Uh, and I mean, like, that's true. Like think uh, about, think about your high school, like, right. you know, a uh, world or your playground days or whatever, who you were seen with meant a lot about what your status was, um, that kind of stuff. And so with them, it, it's very similar. 
Um, and so it does mean a lot for him to be with those people, but those are the people that Jesus wanted to be seen with, and he didn't mind being seen with them for hours at a time, um, lounging and conversing with them. Um, and again, if it's not talking about specifically telling them to go and sin no more, odds are he was just getting to know them. Correct. So, but yeah, continue with what you were. Um, okay, John 2. Jesus changes water into wine. A lot of us know this one. Even if you're, this is probably a story, even if you're not a Jesus person or a Bible person, you at least know the cultural reference to this story. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Where is it? Cana. Uh, Cana. Uh, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his, this, I got to, well, I'll read it. This, this is a great story. I think we just need to have like five minutes of just, Besides the main topic, this is a great story that I don't think if Christians had a better sense of humor and were more inquisitive, I think it would make church more interesting. This is this is just so we're clear. This is not a, such a great story. Like Tim loves this because parents love this story. Um, no, because of Mary's like reaction. No, like, no, no. It's the other she, way around. She goes to her son and she's like, hey, I need you to do this. And he's like, I'm not. It's not my no, time. No, it's not. <laughs> even, it, so and when, she's like, he'll do it. <laughs> exactly. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus. And is, actually, I say this is no, it's not. It's, the other, it's still the other way around. It's, Whatever, it's, it's someone say. who has an aged, aged mother who's telling them what to <laughs> leave me alone. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine, to which Jesus was probably like, yeah, okay, whatever. He says to her, woman, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not come. Jesus' answer was, leave me the hell alone. Why is this my problem? And the way that he says woman is he's actually like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some of you listening to this are like shocked or think we're sacrilegious. No, it's true. He's just like, woman, why do you? This is not someone even. Look, Jesus is still human. Yeah. <laughs> So we can say, oh, he's the son of God, and he's speaking to the, the, the Virgin Mary. No, he's frustrated with her. No, 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 no. I, I, I've read the actual Greek. Um, it is uh, it definitely, they, they, they downplay it. It's, uh, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's like, you're, we're in the middle of a great story here. <laughs> Leave me alone. You're wasting my magical powers on, anyway. That's right. Then his mom ignores him. Yeah. <laughs> he might be the son of man, but he does, he does what I tell him. Yeah. Do whatever he tells you. So now Jesus is in a spot. Nearby stood six. And you know, you know that they like come up to him and they're like, hey, your mom told us to do whatever you said. And literally just like the biggest eye roll yeah. of like all time, <sighs> like big old sigh. Big eye roll. Some some joke about women. Yeah. <laughs> know your place. Oh, yeah. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Woman, know your place. <laughs> Golly, now we've lost all of our women, or all of our women viewers. Uh, oh, boy. 
So basically, he turns a bunch of water into wine. Right. Uh, okay, well, okay, he does that, but then he, then he says, he called, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests. Guests have had too much to drink, but you have served the best till now. You have saved the best till now. So, again, something that's important about John is, and, and what we've talked about is, you know, John, a lot of the stuff in John is not necessarily something that, um, and again, this this is going to split some of our viewers. This isn't something that historically that may have happened. Um, these, these stories that may have happened were um, to present a message. Again, you talk about, and, and that's the line at the end where a lot of these things are kind of poetic where in John you have this situation that happens. But ultimately that part that you want to pay attention to is so many – usually this is how it is and here's the best to come. And again, it's setting up this idea that Jesus' covenant that he is going to make with mankind is going to be the best covenant that we as humanity are going to receive. Right. Um and so, like, just keep that in mind um, that that is the important part of that message. I wouldn't fixate so much on the on the 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 wine part, but but people do. But for the purposes of what we're doing, and tonight, for the purpose of the conversation, just, and, and it is considered a gospel, and so therefore we do need to evaluate the 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 story, and we need to talk about it. Well, Jesus, what Jesus didn't say was, "Mom, everyone's had enough to drink." No, I he didn't say that. No, actually, and something that needs wine. to be said, and again, when we talk and we look at the context, right, we look at the context, is that weddings were a week-long event. Full-on week. Okay, so they – and so the the wine had run out by like – let's say that, that it started on Monday. Wine had ran out by Friday. People couldn't get drunk for the next couple of days. And that was like the whole thing where it's like we need to have a party for this entire week. We're celebrating this this holy matrimony that's going to be happening and that kind of stuff. And it's a huge party. And they had ran out. These people are hammered. I hate to say it to anybody that is holding the – the Virgin Mary in such high regard, which, again, she was a virgin when she had Jesus. She was not a virgin for the rest <laughs> of her life, right? She had other children. Everybody knows that, right? Like, she was probably hammered. Like, um, and that's probably why also he was like, Mom, go away. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I think you should have read it in like a drunk like, accent. Just like, Jesus. They didn't have no more wine. They, they ran out of wine. <laughs> go right. go fix it. And then he's like, Mom, go away. And she's like, just just do whatever he says, guys. Just do whatever he says. Right? And and so he literally continued to let the people that were already getting hammered get even more hammered. Like that's to continue to engage in their drunkenness for the next couple of days even. That's what he did. That's what he did. In that story, that's what's happening. If you say no, then you're I'm, I'm sorry, like you're not paying attention to the story. Like that's that's what's happening. I agree with you. I think people are going to say you're inferring too much, but I don't I don't I don't no, agree. I, like, I, I don't agree. 
was like, you know that they lived during the Roman Empire, right? The context is there's much revelry, much revelry going on. And Jesus is not being a teetotaler and like, no, there's enough. Y'all had enough. Now you need to start following me. He makes more wine. He knows what's going to happen. Part of it's because he doesn't want to embarrass the, the new bride and groom. Right again. There's an area of hospitality. It's more important thing. for them to be able to continue to have wine than it is to tell everyone to stop drinking. It's true. All right. What's our third? All right. The third one. Third one is the sinful woman forgiven in Luke, chapter seven. Is this the Samaritan woman? No, so this is this is a story where one of the Pharisees asked Jesus Jesus over, but and it's all a sham. The guy's asking him Jesus over as a ruse, as the Pharisees were wont to do to try to catch him into a trap or oh, gotcha, gotcha. thumb, rub Jesus's nose into something or or you know make it clear they don't think he's who he thinks he is. So. Starting in verse 36 of Luke 7, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster, every time, it, it doesn't help that flask is alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is verily a sinner. And Jesus said to him, Simon... I got something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, who he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she was wet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, which if you don't know was that's a big faux pas. That's like refusing to shake a dude's hand or not give him a hug or something. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. Again, major faux pas. That's basically telling Jesus you were told you're supposed to be like the, the main guest of the night, but you're not really. But she has anointed my feet with anointment. Therefore, I tell her, her, tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this degenerate for even, <laughs> who is this who even forgives sins? How dare he? Ho, ho, harumph, harumph. And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay. He's reading from the Message Bible. That's where they say harumph, harumph. <laughs> that's, from, that's from watching. Uh, they also say. Also, that's from watching Blazing Saddles two weeks ago. 
All right. So, a lot of this story doesn't directly have anything to do with what we're talking about, other than to point out, look, again, the Pharisee here, Simon, I don't know, the Pharisee pulls a, Simon pulls a fast one on him. He says, hey, come over for dinner. Then we read the story, and the woman who's supposed to be the town slut, the town floozy, is at the place. Well, how does that happen? Well, it's because Simon lit her in the house because he wants to see what Jesus is going to do when the town floozy shows up that he lit in the house. And so what does Jesus do? He's not put off by it. He doesn't say, go away, woman, and start becoming better before you come back and have a dinner with me. Well, you obviously have never read The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. <laughs> you don't understand that Jesus had a child. Um, That's right. Well, <laughs> it is in second, second Sagittarius. So. <laughs> so, again, it's another story I think that shows, you know, yeah, he's at, the fair, he's at a place with the Pharisees. Uh, yeah. You have this situation... Um, Again, we're seeing Jesus' response to uh, these people that are supposed to be the and are the the low, the low of the low, right? Like this is, um, I, again, I we in a twenty first century can as much as we have our perception of hookers and sluts, prostitutes, that kind of thing. We have our own perception of that. Um, it, take it on a scale to the magnitude for ancient Israel. Again, the 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 Israelites had clear, distinct laws about all these types of things, um, and so to have this woman come into their home uh, for whatever reason, whatever life. The happenstance that may have led her to where she was and whatever ha was happening to her and that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't know the story. And, and that's also something very true is that um, in our world now, uh, some of those people get to have a story. You know, uh, uh, there's books, Hollywood even, you know, takes those spins where it's like, you know, what if we saw things through their eyes? Even as educators, um, we're now, you know, asked to, you know, look at those kids that are, that are coming from these backgrounds and not judging them based off of um, the way that they act because there's a lot of other stuff going on that could be affecting them. And so, again, kind of on this tangent, but ultimately to sit there and say that, that what is going on back then is they don't give two shits about that, right? Like they're not sitting there thinking about, well, what is her story or whatever? Right. Like this chick is just, uh, she's brought it upon herself. Right. This chick is a hoe. She, she's, she's sinful because she was sinful and her sinfulness led to this more sinful behavior. Right. And, and so she's literally the cockamamie logic. And so though she is lusted after probably by quite a few men in the town, um, and possibly even some Pharisees who knows why she's actually at Simon's house is that ultimately at the end of the day, she's, also, you know, the, the, the way that she is perceived is so much worse than how we perceive them today. And so she's invited into this home 
and she's this trap for Jesus. And so it, it creates this, this situation where, you know, Jesus has to, has to choose what he does. And notice that right off the bat, he doesn't, he's not trying to minister to her, right? Like that's not what he's doing. Again, that's important. Simon's the one who comes up with the problem. She's yeah. there. She's giving a lot of what she has, right? She brings these expensive perfumes. These are probably the only things that she can afford, right? That kind of stuff. And she is doing – and her hair is greasy and wet and that kind of stuff. And her tears are washing his feet and that kind of thing. And he's like, why are you letting this happen? This woman is unclean. And again, something that is – common across all of the gospels is that jesus is constantly going to these unclean people and dwelling with them and through that process he makes them clean and so that's i think that okay yeah you made you made a, a critical point because i think some folks might have been listening to this saying like well okay you're saying he wouldn't he wouldn't evangelize people, but he does at the end. He tells her she's forgiven and all that. He only does that. He only, he does that because Simon makes this an issue. He doesn't lead with that. Right. He's not like when he walk when she walks in, he's not like, what's that slut doing here? Or if you want to be more tender, a uh, woman, why are you here? Go and send no more. He doesn't do even that. He's got no problem with him, her doing all these things to show why. Because she comes in, she's a wreck, and she immediately starts letting him know she knows who he is. And he values that. But even then he doesn't say it's when the conversation, the words come out of his mouth, according to this, and for all you, for you folks who are really probably upset that we're how we're talking about this you're the ones who believe in the inerrancy of the bible this is how the story is told he only makes an issue out of it after simon makes an issue out of it because simon's trying to set a trap yeah and i mean like here's the thing is i don't like i don't like reading into the bible i don't like you know and like we kind of did that with the the last scripture piece and that kind of stuff and that happens a lot and um, but again, your, your imagination kind of goes and, and, and trying to put it into normal terms and kind of how it would go for you and that kind of stuff. And so I do apologize for that. Cause I, again, I don't want to be associated with one of those people that, that reads into the scripture and creates a false narrative that, that just isn't happening. But even if we look at just what is presented again, Jesus has made it abundantly clear that those that are... So, to get back to the original question, now that we've looked at all three pieces of Scripture. Correct, please. Is, now there can be no argument as to whether or not Jesus would be at a bar. In my Correct. opinion. So we know that he would be there. And so now the question is, what is his response? And so we're saying that with the three scripture pieces that were presented 
were saying that he would be there and he's just there as a guy who's just there to have a conversation, uh, to lounge with, to get to know these people, to be associated with these people. Again, the people that were his disciples were still not people that he should have been associated with, right? Like, he had people, he had the fishermen, right? These aren't nobles. He had a tax collector, a part of his crew, right? Like, and again, we think of the 12, the 12 is always the people, but remember, he probably had about 130 disciples that were constantly following him around. He had his 12 niche group, but then he still had about 130 that he was probably teaching on a regular basis. And so there were lots of people encompassed in that discipleship. Um, but we just tend to think of the 12. And, and even those guys that were a part of the 12 were, were not the cream of the crop. These weren't people that were free of sin. It's not people that, that are free of sin that Jesus calls. We're not going to be those people. We have to strive to be better. And, but that is for us as believers, right? Like that's, but I don't know. I'll let you unpack a little bit. Well, let's start going through a couple thoughts. In, in a couple thoughts in response to the, what lead people to, to the meme um, and <laughs> that meme's loaded with all kinds of other stuff in there that will at this point I'm not going to deal with but what is the meme again Jesus didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appear, appear inclusive tolerant and accepting he ate with them to call them to a changed fruitful life to die to self and live for him his call is for transformation of life, not for affirmation of identity. So there's a couple there's a couple of uh, trigger words in there. Uh, <laughs> you can tell this this comes from a particular I think it's dealing it it, it can be wide widely taken but also it's ain't it's aimed at a specific moment of, that's going on in our culture. So uh, anyway, uh, so a couple thoughts. One, I think that idea that idea comes from this notion that's frankly always been popular. I think within the church, within Christianity. Uh, this compulsion to make sure that judgment is always pronounced at the same time mercy is given out. And someone listening home is saying, yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus did at the well. He, he said he, he told the woman her sins were forgiven and he, he also told her go sin no more. We talked about this before this podcast started today. Here's something that I get from this whole conversation that I think is extremely important. 
We talked about how social norms can't be ignored. For those of you unfamiliar with what the term social norms is, simply put, it's what is deemed accessible or acceptable by the majority. These are social habits that occur that are deemed acceptable. So, for example, um, a guy can hang out with a girl alone if they're married to another person. Right. Right? That's a social norm that we set in place because, well, you never know what could happen. You don't know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff that could happen in between that. And listen, there's a lot that protects you when you keep that in mind. There's, there's good things that come about through that. I'm just saying that that is a normal, typical social norm. Also, what is considered a social norm is that whoever you are with and whoever you hang out with, it is assumed that you are engaging in those activities also. And I don't think it was any different in Jesus' day. Is that if you are hanging out with the liars and the cheats and the sluts, then you yourself are a liar, a cheat, and a slut. Again, I've said it several times on this podcast, is that a lot of our faith and a lot of our belief and a lot of what we follow in Jesus Christ comes down to our own personal responsibility. We have a personal responsibility to do what is right, even if it means that the rest of the world views us as a liar, a cheat, and a slut. And so when we go to these bars or we go and we hang out with the sinners or the least of these, if people think that we are of the least of these, we should give two shits. Because that's not what we're supposed to do. Right? We're supposed to go out there. We're supposed to show love and care and affection for these people. And people think that we are encouraging their behavior. We, by not, so we aren't a participant, right? That's always what's important is that if you go into these places, and again, we need to define what are the sinful natures that are being targeted in a bar, okay? But like, again, like what I used to have with this coworker that I used to work with, you know, this gay wedding, if you go to the gay wedding, are you gay yourself? No. But are you condoning the act? That's the question. Right. That's the question. Are you allowing the people ask? I I think that one, uh, that one I think is a little more difficult than the bar. Because it's a new, you, you're going to talk about social norms. We, we've gone from one, one social norm to 180 degrees like that, and people are having a hard time figuring out what to do with it. But that that one's, but it's still a good question. But then, make, am I condoning it, or am I just being a good friend? But then make it parallel across all sins. Don't just comp. If you're going to do that, then if you're going to make it that blanket statement where it's, I'm not going to condone this, right? I'm not going to let this happen. Then do that for all sins. And you'll find that people are all of a sudden compromising and they're sacrificing right and left on a lot of these situations. What happens when your son or daughter gets gets pregnant or gets a girl pregnant? Okay? Do you condone that sin? Cast them out? Like, is that what you do? Some people do. 
You know, is that what our response is as Christians? Is that what we're supposed to do? No, right? We've talked about this. When we talk about these women that have had abortions, when we talk about people that are hooked on drugs, okay? Like, is our responsibility to sit there and tell them how much, like, hey, man, you, like, you're fucking up your life? Like, no. You know, like, our job is to love on these people. And some people believe that, and this is something that's true, is that we believe that we show love by... We believe that this is the love that... Uh, absolutely, I want to get to that. Yeah, the love is that we call them out on their... That's the... That's the that's love. The, that's the part. The The love is... No, I'm I'm showing them judgment that God is going to give them. And I'm and offering them I mercy from love for their eternal salvation, which... In, and that's the narrative that we feed ourselves, right? That's what makes us feel good about our judgment is that we are saving them from eternal damnation. Correct. And that is pure love. And it's like, no, you need to lose that. Again, here's the hard part is that when we look at sin and we look at what sin actually is, again, we see sin, the definition of sin and what we view sin as is that it is this evil, corrupt, gross thing when Actually, what it is, and the best way that I could describe it, is actually kind of what I experienced this weekend. I went to a water polo tournament this weekend. <laughs> Our boys won, won one out of four games. All four teams we 100% could have beat, no problem. The hard part is, is we sit there and we have expectations for our team and they go out there and they execute flatly. They go out there and they perform badly. They make mistakes that we've worked on in practice. They do things wrong that we are like, we've worked on this. We know that that's not what we're supposed to do. And what we feel is frustration on the bench. Me and our head coach are sitting there and we're like, we're better than this. We don't need this. And we just feel disappointed in the way we have expectations for them and they are not fulfilling them. And the same way, that is what sin is. And for some of you that, that feel the guilt and the shame of sin, this may be hard to hear and you need to get out from underneath the burden of that and there's a lot of things that come along with that and that may be another podcast for a different day. But there are currently people that believe that this is like the second you perform a sin, hellfire and brimstone is coming down on you and this is the situation. Just know you have failed to meet the expectations that have been set for you. Again, we've sat there. We've worked on this. You know this isn't good for you. Right? That is what sin is. And you have stepped outside of the grace of God by your own decisions. Right. And so you need to step back in. And that's what the whole repentance process is. Is I recognize my wrongs. And so let me now step into your grace again, God. I'm going to put an asterisk on something or maybe even maybe it's just a criticism. But, you know, both you and I are both riffing. So sometimes we say something that's not exactly what we mean, which I'm sure people point out all the time. Sure. So you said it's not, you know, it's our places to love them and all that. My asterisk or disagreement is 
I think there's a place for loving correction. I wouldn't call it. I don't like that word judgment. When you don't sit in judgment, loving correction or some other word like that. But that only comes after the relationship and the trust has been built. I also think that you shouldn't be looking for it. I, absolutely. No, right. I completely no, I mean, agree. Yeah. I it, think you it, would agree. It is that person that you've been sitting at the end of the bar pounding beers or whatever for months and years. And you've not been hiding it. You've not been putting your faith under like a bushel, hiding hiding your faith. You're you're not open. You're not like it's not dripping. But you're like, yeah, I'm I'm a Jesus person. And at some point they're like, so I don't know. They bring it up. That's where those moments come. Yeah. Well, and I, and actually, uh, something that I would like to to open about with with this whole conversation is again, as an educator, I have a job. That, that requires separation of religion and state. And I take that extremely seriously. Um, I know that a lot of teachers out there don't necessarily do that. Um, but I think that is that it is something that I take extremely seriously is that I, it is not my job to sit there and teach children scriptures to tell them what their faith is and that kind of stuff. I have had several students approach to me um, about my faith and that kind of stuff. And usually what I tell them is when they approach me. And again, some teachers use that as an opportunity, right? If they ask in the middle of class, now they can get on their soapbox. I don't do that. I usually say, if you'd like to ask me that question, you can ask me at break or you can ask me at lunch, after school or before school. Um, And through that process, I have had students that have come up to me and they've asked me those questions during those times. And... And we have had great conversation through that process because I, I'm a role model in their life. Like as much as some kids are like, Mr. Pierce sucks, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of kids in, in my opinion that there may be yeah, that sit there and say that, you know, Mr. Pierce is a cool guy or whatever. And so I just want to know what makes him different. And so we can then have a conversation about that process. But again, in the confines of school, I'm not going to sit there and promote Christianity and change these kids of their ways or whatever for numerous reasons, right? right? But, But still, that opportunity will present itself, and I don't even have to look for it. The kids continue to come and ask and receive and that kind of stuff just to notice that those that are truly actually following the faith will be living their lives differently that's why it's countercultural. we talk about how and we talked about it several times on this podcast that christianity is embedded in the culture we do have to recognize that in our morality yeah, we we'll probably get to that in a little bit as to why how that's led us to this discussion but yeah. Right. And we have this whole morality system that's in place because of, you know, the things that have been put before us and whatever. But still, there are plenty of things that Christians can be countercultural, countercultural on. And it doesn't have to just be our political views. 
That's that, not being that, countercultural. No. That's being left or right. Take your pick on that one. You know, like we can be countercultural without having to be having any involvement and just loving on people and having an endless amount of love to give is one of the biggest countercultural things that you could ever do, especially in this world where everything is transactional. To have unconditional love for every single person that you meet. Because Jesus had an unconditional love for every single person on this planet. So therefore, if you continually look at every single person as if they have an unlimited amount of love that you could possibly ever give them, the world changes. Right. Kids that'll sit there and or people that'll sit there and it constantly abuse you. And I mean, like, again... Don't sit there and if you're in an abusive relationship, that doesn't mean, this doesn't mean like take the abuse and just unconditionally love them. Again, protect yourself. Do what's right for you. But at the same time, continue to show those that you possibly can unconditional love. And that is something that will always be countercultural because our world just doesn't work that way. No. Right now it's – we are in a graceless world. Uh, it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle or culture. It, it we're we're in a totally graceless period. Um, let's wrap up this part of the discussion by saying this. Um, let's say you're listening to this and you're saying, "Well, you know, they do." I'm not really wanting to be judgmental. You know, these people do these things, but that's not what I'm focused on. And I'm just, I just really want to save them. I want them to go to heaven because I'm going to go to heaven. And Colton and I have been, we were honest a couple episodes ago about how we kind of view heaven in terms of the whole judging or determining whether that's the basis of why uh, we follow through with our faith. We're not really all that too concerned with heaven that's not the end goal but let's say it is that's fine it's a different flavor of christianity i get it but let me ask you this why in the world would someone we keep using let's say at the bar but let's whatever it is the hair salon uh the pta meeting whatever why would they think that you give a damn about seeing them in heaven if you don't want to have anything to do with them on earth? Right. Well, it's not, a, but always it's never about, it's never about that for them. It's always, it's not about for me. Who? It's not about me seeing you later in heaven. No, because that's not what I'm called to do. I'm not called to see you in heaven. I want only my loved ones and all that kind of stuff around me. But I'm called to make sure that as many people get into heaven as possible. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? No, I know. But no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm turning saying. around for the side of the guy, for Steve at the end of the bar, who's always three sheets of the wind and believes that Trump had the election stolen from him. You, you think he's a terrible guy. And Steve's sitting there thinking like, why would I give a damn what you think? You don't even you don't like me here. 
why would I want to spend eternity with you? Because we get hung up on stupid stuff. Look, you know, I get as upset about politics from a third. Look, I'm watching the news. I can get just as angry as the next person. But I got people in my life who are 180 degrees from me politically. And we've had vigorous discussions. I would say the other person got pretty heated, but by the time it was over, no, everything was good. When I was in my 20s, I would have, being an American Christian, and I put the, that thing, I put that in that order, an American Christian, and too many Christians are that way. They are American Christians. I would have gladly given up any relationship with someone on the left. I didn't give a damn. And you know what? Somewhere in that whole transformation that I've talked about on this in this podcast of just like dis using the the icky word no one wants to talk about, but uh, shoot, no. Tim Anabaptist side is showing. Right no, uh, he's all in. He's the, now fully Anabaptist. Deconstruct deconstructing my Christianity. Edit that. Edit that. So, in my phase of de- deconstructing my Christianity. I don't care. I'm not going to lose a relationship. Now, if that person doesn't want to be friends with me, that's fine. But I am not going to walk away from someone because they have different political beliefs or even some uh, belief on a fundamental moral thing that I believe in. It's not worth it. Tim's going to be a Mennonite before we know it, guys. He's going to be one of the dicks. For those of you that have no, 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 stop. (laughs) I will send a bottle of. uh, Let's see. Okay, so he just made a dicks joke and Mennonites. I will send a bottle of what? What's a? uh, I will. I will send a bottle of Eagle Rare. To the to the the listener who. Sends us a message refer, uh, referencing that show, and I don't hit us up on Twitter, email, comments, whatever. First one, obviously. First one, yeah. Not there, are twenty of you, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. depending on where you live. Uh, anyway, yeah. Oh, uh, we you, you look, also you also can't be one of the friends in our friend group. That's true. That's true. Nolan, I'm talking to you. If you yeah. listen to this episode, you can't just. Um, Now, part of that's just the, the vibe we get off, give off. It's not just words. It's just, look, if I don't think you're really invested in me, why should I give a damn about this faith, this relationship you're talking about? It certainly hasn't really changed you that much. Yeah, it's great you don't drink and like I do or swear or whatever, all this other stuff, but you're still a dick. So who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I, I think, and and we still haven't unpacked. We we have it on the schedule to talk about American Christianity and what that. Oh yeah, that's that might be too a two part. That that might involve a guest or two. So, and what that, that that's, looks like. And we don't. Again, on this podcast, we 
we are very reflective. And, and I think Tim opened up about a good part is that, hey, this was me, you know, years ago. Like, this is, this is the way I perceive the world. Right. And he's saying that it wasn't good. And so he's, he's coming across to those of you that may be sitting there and you get a little defensive when we say some of the things that we're saying tonight. And you get a little frustrated and, and maybe your amygdala is kicking in and you're like, you're saying things that are, are you know, rubbing me the wrong way or, or whatever. And you want to sit there and you want to spam that email to Tim <laughs> at uh, go to hell podcast.com. And, and that's what's happening in your brain. And I understand. And we're not the, the 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 point of this episode isn't to tell everyone they need to go hang out at bars or other CD places and hang out with people. That's not the point of this either. No. And look, if if you're if you're in your 20s or your 30s and you got kids or you know, you got kids at home, that's a different season of your life. That I I get it. I'm not asking you to go out and like, you know, that's one of the biggest ministries that you could possibly ever have is having children. Well, that's true, and that might be the soccer field. But the, again, that's the, the what's your mindset at the soccer field? Do you hang out with all the same people you hang out with, or do you try to hang out with the guy with all the tattoos who sounds like who swears like a sailor and and makes you cringe? Maybe you should go hang out with that guy. No one's going to get saved if we all hang out with the same church people, right? And so, what we're asking you to do tonight is step out of your comfort zone and maybe be a little less judgmental towards those people that are in your church, that are frequenting the bars, the dive bars on Friday nights or Saturday nights or Monday nights or Tuesday nights. <laughs> Tuesday nights or, or Wednesday, Wednesday nights. nights. <laughs> it's trivia night. <laughs> <laughs> it's trivia night, you guys. I mean, leave us alone. Uh, you know, there's, again, our call to action is to be set apart from everybody else. And so we as believers should not care what the social norms are. We need to do what we need to do as believers every single time. And that's hard. Yeah. That's difficult. I can't act like social norms aren't a reality of our world. I can't sit there and say that it's really easy to do to just go and, you know, become a social outcast um, to have these perceptions, you may have perceptions change within your own home. Your wife may look at you different. Your children may look at you different because of the decisions that you are making that you feel in your heart are correct based off of the fact of what Jesus Christ said. That's a harsh reality. Right. But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen. Yeah, and it doesn't mean we have doesn't mean you have to step out of your comfort zone with everybody. You dip yeah. your toe in where where you can. I'll, I'll, we Last couple episodes, we talked a lot about a homeless, partially because my wife and I are involved in it. I'll use the example of the homelessness. I engage with homeless folks. I do not do it every single time I see a homeless person. A lot of times I feel a niche that I feel God's telling me, like, that's the one you need to talk to. But every, I don't stop every time I see a guy or a gal – standing by the side of the road with a sign and be like, oh, I'm going to pull over and what, you know, it, it, it happens in spurts. Yeah. Um, and we're not telling you, you know, 
to say, I'm going to start hanging out at bars because I don't know anything about these people. No. It might be at work with the asshole at work you're working with that you don't understand why they're such an a-hole. Yep. But I'll go back to how I started this. We feel this compulsion to pronounce judgment before we do mercy. And whatever verses you want to cite where Jesus said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, go and sin no more. Now your sins are forgiven. It was the other way around. Right. So this is a good, we've been talking about beers and bars for the last couple minutes. Well, the whole time, but they came up. This is a good time to hit our second segment for beer of the week. Of course, this is all unofficial, but... Uh, oh, wait, we already did Swami's Pizza Port. Yeah, we talked about all of them. Actually. All right. You just... Uh, the first one hit you that Drink right... I drink... Drink right through it. Uh, all right, last topic on this topic. Here's my other problem with this perception of Jesus. I don't think we fully, and I don't. I'm, I mean this in like a big we. I mean this like like the church, and I mean this like the church for two thousand years. Right. I don't think we fully appreciate how we we say it, we say these, we say the word, but we never try to fathom it. Maybe it's just because it's too hard to fathom because you're trying to split. It's like splitting an atom. But we don't fully appreciate that Jesus was human. Right. He's not the guy. <sighs> you said it, uh, earlier in the podcast about reading, you know, making stuff up in scripture that's not there. And I, I f fully understand that. That's got to be said because then, you know, <laughs> that's how cults and false prophets come out. Um, right. The dude had a sense of humor. He didn't just cry when people died. We, we you know, we focus on that one. Oh, you know, somebody, a couple story, you know, someone dies, Lazarus dies, and he weeps. Oh, it's his humanity. I think he had a sense of humor. He probably, you know, I who, who knows? Is it wrong for me to envision Jesus pulling pranks on Peter? Probably not. Peter deserved pranks from what we know of him. And so, besides whatever you want to just imagine, you know, Jesus was personality-wise, We miss the point of Jesus. Look, if if Jesus just came to to save us, he could have shown up fully formed as a human and did the whole cross, burial, and res resurrection thing. Why did he do 30, 33 years of his life on this earth? Right. I think it's because God wanted to experience what this whole humanity thing was. Yes, God's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, blah, blah. He's omni-everything. But it's still another thing to experience. So why does he go hang out with sinners? And in the modern day, 
Why would he go down to the local watering hole, the local shit kicker bar, and hang out with shit kickers and not go to the five-star restaurant where the, where the lawyers and politicians are? Because he wanted to be here to have fruitful, relationship, meaningful relationships with people that he thought were going to be most open to him loving him and liking to hang out with him. I don't think a bunch of tax collectors are wanting to hang out with some stuffy goody two-shoes. Does it mean he's telling dirty jokes? No, but he had to have been a, a, a bit of fun. It wasn't just like, do we all imagine that it was just like, you know, some, uh, well, you know, this, the thing that's cachet today, the, the three famous people you want to have at dinner where we all imagine we just sit there, you know, and ask Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, what was it like to fire, you know, General so-and-so? No. They didn't all, I mean, the Pharisees wanted him there to, to play tricks on him. The Pharisees wanted him to catch him in the stuff. As his, as his uh, ministry went along, certainly people wanted to be there because they figured out this guy was the son of God. But early on, when a lot of these dinner stories are happening they just want to find out what makes this cat tick yeah. and i don't think he just showed up being like yeah i'm you know i'm here to dole out forgiveness and and, and some uh and and a random uh miracle here and there he must have had something interesting funny unique compelling compassionate thing to say. So if you believe in that total banal thing of what would Jesus do, stop running around judging people. But stop act, start acting like the Jesus that's in between the letters and the words that we read about in the Bible, which is a dude who just apparently was cool enough that people said, come hang out and be with me. So on that, on that, I think what's important is we look at we look at Jesus as what he was, and understanding that again, Jesus at this point of his life, I know that it's always easy to sit there and say, you know, he's a carpenter, um, he's a carpenter's son, um, and so yes, he's not. Um, He's not foreign to the trade. Like, let's not sit there and say that. But at this point in his life, he is, he is rabbi, right? Like, he is this teacher. Um, and so he is this, this rabbi teacher. <laughs> Don't mind. That's JoJo, the go to hell dog. Yeah, <laughs> go to hell podcast dog. It's Cerberus. playing in the background. That's Cerberus. Uh, Guarding the gates to hell over there. <laughs> um, so we have, you know, he, he's this rabbi, this teacher who is supposed to. And so he does have a little bit of status with him, right? So we have the, this situation where, you know, Jesus is, is somebody that people want to invite into their home. But here's something that's important. Um, I, I, I think that he has that sort of status and element that comes with him because he, he has the rank of rabbi. Um, he has this esteem. But 
is that what he was was he was accessible, right? The rabbi was this elite group that believed that they were the church had you know these inner sanctums. And this area was sealed off to the commoner and the people. And so the people that were on the outside, right? And you, and if you learn anything about the temple and how the whole setup was of the religious faith, is that those people that Jesus is hanging out with would only have been let it barely inside the temple. They only would have been let into that first area where they could have made their sacrifices and that kind of stuff. They didn't get access to those other levels of the inner sanctum and Jesus Christ and God is going out to them and he is with them just being with them. That's it. He's just being with these people. There's no being with these people and that's not what he's here for. He died for every single one of us. Not every single one of us that doesn't go to a bar that doesn't commit sins it was i died for every single one of you there was no exceptions about that and so and he knew what his mission was he knew what he had to do and he goes and he does this and again he is the accessible rabbi something that was never happened before in this area or in this world that he lived in yeah, I'm going to pull up one of the verses we read from. Because I think what you just said is a good way to wrap this up. And the way the way Matthew writes it, it's very, you know, Jesus says it in a particular way. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm gonna channel. I'm gonna channel my the Message Bible and kind of say it another way. It's okay. Because you know, as someone who made fun of the Message Bible when it came out, and there's some to be made fun of, but I think there's some efficacy to it. So I'm gonna reread from Matthew nine. Jesus is at Matthew, who's a tax collector's house. Pharisees see him there. Jesus is at a bar for the purpose of this podcast. He's at a bar. He's hanging out with drunks. And the Pharisees say, why the hell does your boy hang out with drunks and foul-mouthed people at a bar? And Jesus hears them and says, I'm not, I'm not here for people who are righteous or self-righteous or whatever. But go and learn what, the, but I, you go and find out what it means to be merciful. Right. Because I haven't come to save those who think that they're self-righteous. But I've come to save those who are sinners and those who know they're sinners. Right. I, 
I don't know what kind of human Jesus was. And I, a couple minutes ago, you know, kind of went off and wildly speculated. <laughs> and I frankly don't know what all of the motivation, we know some of the motivation for the people who invited Jesus over for dinner. And we know some of the motivation for people who showed up when he was at dinner. But here's what I got a pretty good idea of. When Jesus shows up at the dinners for tax collectors and all of the other outsiders and low lowlifes, he's not there to save them in that moment. He's there to get to know them, understand who they are, and love them because he knows he's going to die for them. And he's not there to get to know them, to find out whether or not they're worth it. He's there to drink in every single moment that he can with these lowlifes and outsiders and deplorables and whatever other name you want we can use these days, right or left, non-religious, religious. He's there to find out who they are because he's, he's going to die for them. And why wouldn't you want to get to know all those folks? So if you do, if you are animated, animated by what Jesus would do, be animated, animated by that. Don't focus on the go and sin no more. Focus on Jesus died for folks like this. I don't fathom why they live this this way. It bugs the hell out of me. That's fine. All that stuff can bug the hell out of you. Someone can be bad with their money. Get drunk all the time. Believe in crazy conspiracy theories. Blah, blah, blah. Be an a-hole when it comes to whatever. Be the one person in their life that it's like, okay, but I'm still going to be here. Showing up every day. Showing up every Tuesday, showing up every Friday at the end of that bar, whatever. Telling jokes, slowly getting to know you, and just loving, loving you for you and all of your deplorable, kooky craziness. Right. And if one day he or she says, what makes you different? There you go. I mentioned a couple episodes ago, and I, I it's probably a couple episodes, where our culture's changed quite a bit. We're no longer in a Christian culture. And I will say this, the, this, this part of me wonders if the, the aspect of this episode is part of that. You and I, <laughs> I'm older than you are, but I think we, you and I came along in, in this period where that, Christian culture was dying. Yeah. And I'm not sure, I, I'm not willing to say I, I, I agree with it, but I do understand the efficacy of if you live in a quote-unquote Christian culture, one that is proclaiming to be Christian, whether or not it actually is, that the hellfire and brimstone the, the judgment, all that kind of stuff isn't 
I understand why that's the way the Christianity is being dealt with. Again, I'm not sure I agree with it. But here's what I do know. The world has changed. And that whether you think that that's correct and then we need to talk about sanctification and all these other things that lead, you know, we're really heavy into life changing and all that. I don't think that works in this world. Right. As you said a few minutes ago, we live in a world now more than ever, ever where friendship, every, social interaction is tra completely transactional. And not only is it transactional, it's very easy to disconnect. A yeah. uh, hundred years ago, if you didn't like the Christian next to you who talked about Jesus all the time, too bad. You're still going to work the line with this guy all day long. And you're not moving from the town that's all Methodists that talk about Jesus all the time because nobody moves. People have the, with the ability to be mobile and change jobs and mute people on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. If you're leaning into the wrong kind of message, well, first of all, you're not, get over yourself. You're not proselytizing anybody on social media and social media is fake yeah so if you're really animated by that get off well i mean you can be on it but find meaningful relationships yeah exactly be buttressed with be buttressed with meaningful relationships with other believers so you don't fall away from the faith but go actively seeking relationships or venues where you can find those who aren't believers so that you can be quietly, lovingly spreading the gospel in a relational way and not in a transactional way. Wow, a little heavy for the. All right, well, I didn't plan on that, but. <laughs> All right, well, that's it, I guess, for this episode of the Go to Hell podcast. Do we have anything else? That's it. No more. No more, no less. No more, no less. All right, we thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please do us a favor. Go to your podcast app of choice. Rate and, view the go rate and review the Go to Hell podcast so others can find the show. Questions, comments, constructive, thoughtful criticism. That's always welcome. You can find us on Twitter at the Go to Hell pod or email me at Tim at the Go to Hell podcast.com or Colton at Go to Hell podcast.com. And if you disagree, or despise anything we've said today on this podcast. Feel free to just go to hell. Nice. I got friends in